the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello and welcome to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm publisher Andy Jackson and joining me this week in the broom cupboard is uh, online editor, guru, Kevin Ayres. And my almond croissant. And his massive almond croissant. There's barely room for uh, Simon in the room because uh, <laughs> Kev's croissant is that big. Trevor is, I would say, sunning himself, but he's probably wrapping up to avoid the cold in Kangaroo Valley. Uh, he's been on email a fair bit, so I think he's desperate to... He's obviously missing the office, but we'll uh, we'll push on without him. Uh, we're going to break this uh, pod down into three convenient parts. We're going to look at some local news to kick off, international news, and then we'll have a preview of Saturday's, well, Sunday our time, uh, the World Cup draw, when we'll find out who uh, Australia, the Socceroos, will face in the first stage of qualifying for Brazil 2014. So, Kev, let's get into it. Um, very sad news overnight uh, about Australian young lad Dylan Tombides, who obviously just played in the uh, under-17 World Cup, has been diagnosed with t- testicular cancer at just 17. Yeah, it's a big shock. Shocking. Um, I mean, the, the good thing is that uh, there's such a good prognosis for testicular cancer these days. Um, I mean, if you remember, Craig Moore got diagnosed with yeah. it. Had the operation, was back playing that weekend. Yeah, uh, well, it, it says that Craig has uh, already been in touch with Dylan, and uh, they've obviously known about this for a, a few weeks because it says that Craig's been in touch with him for a few weeks and has been offering his support. Uh, and certainly, a number of uh, of players went onto Twitter last night to offer Dylan his support, like some Mark Schwartz who's recently joined. And Dylan himself came on last night and, uh, and thanked everyone for their uh, kind wishes. So we can only wish him. Uh, a speedy recovery and a full recovery. Uh, Stephen Lestica, wow, from National Youth League captain and being spurned by Miran Blyberg, not being thought worthy of an A-League contract. He was uh, came on for the last half hour against Barcelona <laughs> midweek, yeah. marking Andreas Iniesta. It's not quite Wellington Phoenix, is it? <laughs> it's not. I mean, it, you know, it, there was obviously no love lost there. I mean, Ado did a chat with him. Uh, you know, just as he left, and uh, he was he was pretty scathing about Blyberg. So there's, like, there's obviously no love lost there. But this is probably the best way of oh, giving yeah. him the finger, isn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> like if you've got a bounce swapping back. shirts with Iniesta at the end of the game. <laughs> now, uh, by the sounds of things, he had a not bad game either. So yeah, grateful for the, uh, the young guy. Yeah, thirty thousand fans. Uh, obviously, he's at, he's at Hadjik Split now with uh, with our three, mate Lubo. Is it thirty or was it forty-two thousand? I think uh, so the game ended nil-nil in front of around 30,000 fans. Uh, I, th- I think it was actually near 42,000 was another figure I saw anyway. Okay. Uh, and uh, usual sort of mental creation, flares, ticker tapes, lethal combination normally, but all went off nicely. Well, he certainly seems to be settling in. He's, uh, he's, he's quoted, uh, you know, having Lubo there, as you can imagine, is, uh, is great to have another Aussie uh, to speak English with, although he says they both speak Croatian fluently. Uh, and his coach has been uh, has been very complimentary about him. So uh, we wish him all the best, and it looks like he's settling in nicely. Uh, one player that doesn't see, seem to be settling in anywhere is uh, Dean Batsanis, who now our, uh, our Kiwi sources, Ado, with his finger on the pulse again, has um, said that Batsanis' latest possible destination might be Wellington Phoenix. Yeah, I saw Phoenix are refusing to comment on this today. Uh, they're just not talking about it at all, which... Uh 
usually means it's well, a goer. He's on his way. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, it's an odd move, to be honest, because the, the victory deal certainly seemed to be signed, sealed and delivered. Well, he himself yeah. said on Twitter that he's, you know, he's, uh, he's, um, he'd agreed the deal and was looking forward to it. And then there was a bit of a U-turn. Um, I mean, just reading it, what he said, he said, I can now confirm that I've agreed terms with Melbourne Victory FC, looking forward to the new season with my new club, adding the move that was the most important decision of his life. Yeah, within minutes, Melbourne Victory came out and said, uh, well, we're in negotiations, and but uh, nothing's been so signed yet. Uh, and the next thing we know, Bazanas is allegedly on a plane back to the UK. Now he's turned up at Phoenix. Phoenix seemed to be doing a good job of picking up those players that, Seem to have fallen out of favour in uh, mainland Australia. Nick Sassalatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatlatl
I just remember John John Motson screeching and his voice got higher and higher. Levchenko! I think we might be right, but I'm sure you'll go onto the website if I'm wrong and say, you muppet, it wasn't him. Um, I'm always impressed by people with that kind of memory. I can't even remember how old I was in 94. Bold head. It was in the days when people were bold and didn't shave their heads. You know, he still had hair around the sides. <laughs> Got the tough bold, yeah. And he just flung himself at this header, and uh, yeah. So, uh, so there we go. Um, Stewie Mishalik has uh, has left Sydney FC. Uh, wasn't happy with the contract that that was on offer there. I believe Sydney did offer him a contract, but on reduced terms. Uh, so he's now um, moved to the Mariners to join up with Arnie. Uh, what do you think about this week, Ken? I think Stuart Mazalek a very lucky ma- man. To be honest, he came very close to not having any club at all this season. And uh, for someone who had such a lacklustre career at Sydney, to expect more money at the end of it... Double A-League title winner. Yeah, but how much of that was down to him? Well, do you know what? I, I don't believe that he was worth what he was on at Sydney FC. I think that was an inflated figure. I mean, yep. if you believe the reports, he was on something like around 300 grand. I'm not sure if it was that. Well, the figure I heard was about 200, but right, uh, either still, way, you know, it's still not um, worth but it. But I've always liked Mishalik. I think in the right system, which I think when in the in the Sydney's championship year, I think it worked with the system that they had with the sort of 4-2-3-1 that they were playing. Um, I think as a holding midfielder, I like him. I think he's neat and tidy. I think he's comfortable in possession. But I just think, you know, his biggest challenge is himself. I think the yeah. danger is sometimes he, he, he might think he's a little bit better than he is. I think, um, but when he plays it simple, and I don't think you know, I think there are. But I, I do think that you know, if you look at some of the players that have come back since, some of the younger Aussies like Partaloo and that, I think that role, the the level of that holding midfield role has definitely gone up a notch over oh, the last that, two seasons, yeah. and I'm yeah. not sure he's progressed at that at that rate. No, I, don't, I think he's another one who's gone backwards. Uh, but I think the ability is there. I think he has the ability when to he's do. awake. Yeah, uh, and in his own half. Yeah, I uh, just don't see him. He really seems to venture out beyond centre circle um, positively. So you know, I think double minus for him to be honest. He's mm. too sleepy and too scared to venture out of his own half. All right, well we'll see if Arnie can uh, can wake him up. He's going to have a challenge. Obviously, he's got you've got <laughs> Oliver Sarnich, you know, Rustin Griffiths, Amini Hutchinson. Uh, McGlinchey, all of whom sort of playing in that role, in that sort of midfield. Be interesting to know what the Mariners are paying him as well. Yeah, I, I would imagine that he's probably looked at his options and gone anywhere is better than, yep. than anything. So I'd the Mariners are surprised if he's even on half of what he was on before. Yeah. Uh, the big news and one of the, the most talked about stories on the website this week was uh, Borussia Mönchengladbach now blocking, uh, having originally agreed to release him, they've now blocked Matthew Leckie. Uh, coming to the Under-20 World Cup, which is a massive blow uh, for the young Socceroos. I mean, he was one of those players that you thought could be the difference between the young Socceroos having a good tournament and, and struggling. Yeah, I think, you know, it's the same thing. The, the, uh, the Under-20s World Cup, somebody was making the point on Twitter, it really should have been on at the same time as the under-17s was on. Well, the under-17s should have been on now, on. not yeah. the other. Swap them around. The 16-year-olds are not likely to be pushing for first-team yeah. places. I yeah. mean, temperature, yeah, would have been worse uh, when the under-17s was on, but at least we would have had a much better chance of getting proper first-team players there. It's a bit of a double-edged sword, though, Kevin, isn't it? Because on one hand, 
this is great news that Borussia Mönchengladbach, a Bundesliga club, value Matthew Leckie high enough and say, hang on a minute, mate, you know, you're pushing the fringes of the first team already and we don't want you to go because otherwise, you know, we're going to be weaker for it. I, I guess that's better it, than, it, than them saying, hey, yeah, go for it. See you, see you, see you in September. It is, but, you know, what is the, the reality? Is he going to be pushing for a first-team place or do they just not want any danger of him getting injured? Do they just want him on the pre-season tour to have a proper look at him? Um, this, the tournament finishes on August the 20th, and that's only if you know they get through to the final. It's not a huge chunk out of the, the season. But it is three weeks. It is three, it's no, three, three their weeks. Their season starts on August the 7th for way to Bayern Munich. So, so. Yeah, but it's, it's, well, two weeks. It's not even two weeks out of yeah. the actual season. Out of a, what, 35, 36-week season or something, you know? Well, he scored, he scored twice in a recent pre-season friendly against Aberdeen. Um, you know, so it looks like he is, uh, he is threatening and there are thereabouts. So uh, I guess the proof would be in the pudding. But um, you'd yeah. like to think that they're not going to stop him going to an under-20 World Cup unless he is pretty close to the first team. You would hope, but yeah, it's a World Cup. And do we, do we see, um, you know, obviously the, the, this is off the back of Brent McGrath and uh, Steve Lusticker declining invitations to be part of the, spot, the squad. Um, you know, are these extenuating circumstances for Verslayan? You know, is these the ex- you know how well, are we going to judge this tournament now when obvious, player, players ob- have declined to be part of it? Clubs are blocking players going. This is why it's one of the reasons I disagree with the whole term of coach as the person who's in charge of the team. It's a man management job as well, uh, and you've got to be able to manage the clubs. You've got to be able to manage the the men, eh, the, the boys as well, uh, and that requires persuasion. And if yeah. you're not getting your first team, then you've failed. But it's, it's also, uh, you know, aren't FIFA creating their own problems for this by having a FIFA under-20 World Cup and not making it compulsory for clubs to release players if yes. selected? Yeah, I mean, FIFA you know, It's really, either a yeah. FIFA tournament or it's not. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a fundamental, uh, that's a given. But, you know, um, we've not got a first team, therefore you can't really judge Versailles in that uh, definitively. But, as I still say... He's a manager. He should have been able to overcome these obstacles before they became a problem. Yeah. And do we see, you know, if Matthew Leckie, we're going to talk about potential World Cup qualification at, at the end, but, um, you know, if Matthew Leckie is part of the Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, first team for this season, is this potentially his breakthrough season for the for the Socceroos? He's 20. Mm. Well, I mean, you know, sometimes I think we, you know, we, we forget we that delay. we forget that you know there are twenty-year-old you know, international players all over the world that are breaking. This is through. the thing that really annoys me in Australia is that we delay bringing the youth into the senior team, both at club level and at uh, Socceroos level. Whereas you know Messi's been playing with, as an extreme example, Messi was playing with yeah. Argentina from what seventeen, eighteen. Yeah. Uh, you know, but also, so so was Tevez, so was Aguero, absolutely, so, so yeah. was Higuain. They're all so they're many. all internationals at nineteen, twenty. Absolutely, and you know we we put it off, put it off, put it off. Get them into the camp at the very least, and uh, bring them off the bench. Give them a shan, chance. Yeah. I mean, Aguero, we'll talk about. Him. He's he's won two under twenty cups. Mm. Yes, <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> so he won incredible. his first one at sixteen. Yeah, you know. Uh, Tim Cahill. Uh, there's a lot of. Uh, lot of still uh, jostling for positions, let's call it, in the Premier League, which we'll talk about in the, in the next part. But, uh, but from an Aussie connection, Tim Kaler said that you know, him and his Everton teammates are not allowing speculation about their futures to affect their preparations. Uh, they've been on 
they've been on a camp in Austria, they've been in the US. There's rumoured interest in the likes of Phil Jagielka, Fellaini, Jack Rodwell. Um, it's clear that Everton have got no money. You know, mm. uh, they were beaten by I think a League One or a, or a Championship team to a hundred and fifty thousand dollar keeper that they were looking at as backup, <laughs> and admitted that they couldn't compete. So that's not a good sign. You know, Bill Kenwright has, has for a long time now said that he's taken the club as far forward as he can. He can't as proud a Everton fan as he is. You know, he is. Now, you know, he said that the club is up for sale if the right people come along because mm. he hasn't got the financial wherewithal to to get them any further. I mean, it's a sad day for the club, uh, and I know the fans are really upset. They've set up their own supporters group, the People's Group, to try and uh, force some change and get the the board to uh, come up with a definitive plan for the future. Um, but. It, it all seems very vague, the noises that are coming from the, the board as to, you know, who are the right people? Is, yeah. it, is it just any bid? Is it a specific big money bid? Are they going to sell it overseas or whatever? But also, I think, you know, given what happened at Liverpool across the way, you know, they, they would be yeah. very nervous about, yeah. you know, the, the people that they would be entrusting the club to. But, you know, Everton's results on the pitch just defy belief given the, the financial crisis they've been in for so long. Moyes what was interesting was that, you know, David Moyes, because you know, I, I would have loved to have seen Moyes at Villa when uh, we were looking, and, mm. um, but he seems you know, resolute that he's going to stay there, yeah. um, which surprised me. Um, so obviously he's, he's sticking it out. Tim Cahill has been there now for eight years. Uh, Tim's very obviously media savvy, loves saying the right things, but uh, you know, he said, we have long-term contracts and we're paid to play. I've learned over the years that it's important to have respect for the football club because of how much the fans and the club puts into us. Good on you, Tim. Um, Last minor point, uh, Australia's Socceroos have slipped to place, uh, but the big movers in the FIFA rankings are Copa America winners Uruguay, who have moved up to fifth, their highest ever position with a 13-place surge off the back of their uh, World Cup exploits and now winning the Copa America. A lot of debate on Twitter, uh, you know, pound for pound, are Uruguay the best footballing nation in the world? For a nation of, you know, three million? Yeah. It's astonishing. Less than the population of Sydney or Melbourne. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it really is Two astonishing. Two World Cups. And, you know, the, the way... The, Fifteen Copper America titles. The way their game has developed over the last 20 years as well. I mean, I remember when um, Scotland had to uh, play them both in the World Cup, and I think it's a World Cup qualifier as well at some stage for some reason. Um, we got kicked off the park by them. They absolutely destroyed us. They got a red card after 30 seconds in the first uh, one game. Um, yeah, I remember that. <laughs> I remember that. Absolutely brutal. And it was a hallmark of their, of their game at the time. And now you look at them the way they play at the Cup of America. It's completely, it's night and day. You know, you wouldn't recognise them. They always so. still mix it, though. You always <laughs> they're, they're, they're a hefty side. Yeah. yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, certainly an impressive run of results for them at the moment. Excellent. That's all for part one. We will be back in part two to uh, have a look at the latest goings on at FIFA. Never a dull moment over there. Uh, and look at some of the uh, that jostling for positions and the latest transfer news uh, that we were alluding to earlier. So join us after the break. This month's 442 magazine features the 50 drills and skills guaranteed to make you a better player. So you can dribble like Messi, shoot like Ronaldo, volley like Rooney, pass like Xavi and head like Cahill. It also features our look at the death of Brazilian football, plus exclusive Lucas Neal and Aaron Moy interviews. Grab the new 442, it's on newsstands today. 
the latest on the world game. This is 442 Insider. Hello, welcome back to this week's 442 Insider podcast. I'm on Croissant. Update is we're around about a third of the way through, I think. We've got about, no, two thirds of the way through. We've got a third of the way to go. Just before we get into this, I just wanted to give a shout out to Anthony down in Melbourne, big Melbourne Victory fan, who, uh, who came over and introduced himself at the Celtic training session that I was down at. Came, uh, Walking over to me with a hoodie on, I didn't know if he was going to punch me or ask me for change, but it turned out he was a big fan of the podcast, which was fantastic. So, uh, proving that we have got faces for radio. Uh, so, Anthony, I know you're listening, mate. Thanks a lot. All the best for a good season uh, for the Victory Boys. Uh, let's get on with the news. FIFA, predictably, uh, he predicted it himself. Uh, Mohammed bin Amman has been banned for life from all football-related activity after being found guilty of bribery by the FIFA Ethics Committee, which included our own Les Murray, uh, was sitting in judgment. I did, <laughs> just had this mental image of Les there with one of the old wigs. <laughs> sitting on a wheel sack. Yeah, uh, he, he didn't actually go. Bin Amman just knew, obviously, had accepted his fate and didn't even turn up. Um, Kev, where to start with all this? Um, is this the ultimate price for challenging Sepp Blatter? Oh, it was on the cards from day one, wasn't it? I mean, you just don't mess with them. Uh, there's a reason he's been in it's charge like a for so long. It's like really. It's a feudal court. It's you know, it really is. Uh, if anybody's watched Game of Thrones, um, it just reminds me of that so much. I'm just waiting for the dragon lady to appear. Uh, but Mohammed bin Haman, he's stuffed, you know. Uh, but the thing is, how can he be banned from life for bribery? And the, the Qatar bid not well, be yeah, examined. I mean, I, I mean, I just don't understand. I do not understand how, if this is if this has been found that they can't. And this is nothing to do with Australia's bid, you know, because personally, mm. I that probably the USA would be the next obvious choice before Australia. However, you know, I don't understand how somebody so closely linked to that bid, who was such a proponent of it, and and it was such a surprise winner that they can't reopen. And look at it, at least mm. look at it and say, was he involved in, you know. But also, um, what's happened to the people that took the money? Well, that's the, uh, the current state. They've all been told to come forward and give as full and frank details as they can about what happened at that meeting and what happened to the money, etc. It's only bribery if someone accepts it. It's attempted bribery <laughs> with that. true, yes. <laughs> um, yeah, and uh, they've been promised that uh, the sanctions will be mitigated if they're uh, if they're honest about uh, their dealings. So that's still to come, I think. But I mean, you're looking at uh, what 25 nations involved, was it? Yeah. Roughly? Yeah. Well, Binamam's uh, response to this was quite cryptic in that he posted a letter on his website from Sepp Blatter from was it 13 years ago? Oh, three years ago, June 2008, when he was re-elected. Um, and highlighted the words, without you, dear Mohammed, none of this would have ever been possible. And then underneath it, Blatter, uh, Bin Amam added, this is only the battle, not the war. So, who knows? Well, I don't think it ends here, that's for no, sure. No, it's certainly uh, not going to end here. He's not going to give up. He's dedicated a lot, big part of his life to football. He isn't going to give up now. Uh, what's uh, also interesting to see who's going to end up uh, head of the AFC. AFC, yeah. Uh, you would think it's probably going to be... The vice uh, look, what's his name? David. Is that Zim? vice president or president of vice? Yeah. <laughs> you never can tell with FIFA. Um, yeah. Vice president, David Zoom, I think it is. Okay. Uh, 
Well, the other thing, obviously, uh, Karl-Heinz Rummenigge is the latest uh, high-profile player, former player, and now uh, Bayern Munich, uh, former player at Bayern Munich, now involved in, in Bayern Munich hierarchy, to come out and say that you know FIFA is just running out of credibility. Um, no shit, Sherlock. <laughs> uh, I mean, Kev, you know, where, where does it go from here? Because you've got to think that no, mat- no matter what, the current regime does that current setup with Blatter and the executive committee. It's surely just beyond reproach now for the for the average football fan. Blatter is getting booed at every single FIFA event he turns up to. Yeah, but is it going to stop people going to see football? No, of course it's not. No, is it going to devalue the the TV rights of football? <coughs> Is it? It hasn't yet stopped advertisers uh, well, yeah, pledging their I, support. I, I do think that that is the, that that, is the that, missing link. That's the, the Achilles link heel is when the brands that prop up FIFA. I mean, that, that's what brought the news of the world. Start though, turning around. Was when the advertisers absolutely. walked away. Yeah. Uh, but we, I think, in terms of bad publicity, FIFA's reached a you know a real trough. Uh, a couple of months ago, and the advertisers still stuck with it, although they, you know, voiced reproach. But you, you know, the news the world Until example. That happens. The news the world example is not a bad example actually, because you know there was obviously there was the guy found guilty four years ago. And, oh, I mean there was and, a catalogue like, of things. That was it. We've dealt with it. It's yeah. in house. But then all of a sudden, one Billy little Dale. chink, and then all of a sudden the whole house of cards comes tumbling yep. down within the space of two weeks. Yeah. And then the aftermath is it all gets ugly and you fun, finally find out the, the real sort of breadth of, of the, the wrongdoings, you know. And are we going to see that with FIFA? Is Bin Hamam now going to basically blow the lid on what he's been privy to? And that's what I took from he, what he put on his website mm. was Blatter's just reminding Blatter that he said that it wouldn't have been possible without him. Yep. And what did Binamam actually do to get Blatter re-elected yep. that Blatter recognised in that letter? That's what I read, that this is the battle, not the war. I th- like I say, I think the, the potential is a lot more dirt to come out. Uh, and if it is the kind of dirt that would scare off advertisers, then that's when, uh, or sponsors rather, that's when everything will start to change. Yeah. But up until that point, nothing's going to change. And the fact that Jack Warner conveniently... Ducked out, and just resigned. So therefore, is no longer being investigated. You know, it's probably co- well, potentially. If I was Jack Warner, I would be looking for a payoff from Bin Hammam or a book to deal. make it worth my while. <laughs> or a book to, deal. Yeah, uh, and I would also be looking for a payoff from Seth Blatter as well to continue to back him. So he might even have got a little double whammy there. Yeah, if he played it smart, which I'm sure he didn't, because he's a nice, upright man. I'm sure he is. Yeah. Uh, all right, well, uh, let's get back on to some football uh, on the pitch. Well, not on the pitch quite yet, but uh, Sergio Aguero uh, looks to be the, the new recruit at Manchester City, the multi-gazillion pound plan. Uh, I've got to admit, I put on Twitter last night, thank finally Man City are buying a player that I want to see <laughs> every single week. He's a player that I can't wait to see in the Premier League. I think he's perfectly equipped for the Premier League. I think it'll be a revelation. Um, Kev, I mean, obviously, Tevez is in limbo now, the, the deal falling through <laughs> to Corinthians. Um, no great know, surprise there. He's burnt his bridges at City, and City are holding out for an amount of money that nobody looks in Europe 
willing to pay. Yeah, I don't, know to pay. I, I don't know what's going to happen with Tevez as a result of that. Because I mean, to be honest, even letting him go for forty million was pretty cheap, I think, uh, under the circumstances. Um, but it was it seemed that they were only willing to let him go for forty million if he was leaving Europe, so he yeah. wasn't going to come back to haunt them. Yeah. You know, the last yeah, thing they want true. is him going for. 30, 40 million to a team that they end up joining the Champions League. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but Aguero is going to be uh, interesting to see see how he fits in with the rest of City. Uh, but yeah, he looks up for the, the task. The other challenge that City are going to face is uh, is their 25-man squad. As you usual. Know, there's going yeah. to be some very, very good, expensive players missing out there. But I mean, that's been the story of their life for you know the last five years. They've got a ridiculously good squad. Huge depth and just a lot of frustration and a constant rotation system going on, so nobody settles. But also, one of the problems is is that yeah, and we saw this with Chelsea in the first sort of in the first period of the Abramovich era. We saw players like Scott Parker, like Steve Sidwell, going there on mega money, not playing, yep. then getting bored of not playing, yep. but then being faced with the only way they could get out was accepting a massive cut in wages. Yeah. You know, and we've just seen it at Villa with Shea Given. Shea Given has taken, I think, a 25, 30 grand a week pay cut to come to Villa. And get, know, get some game time again. But, you know, he's 35 and has obviously made a, a hell of a lot of money. You yeah. Know? But there are going to be some very, some would say, overpaid there is a There is an argument that Scott Parker and Steve Sidwell were probably overpaid for several years. Now. Absolutely. Playing yeah, yeah, well, mate, Steve Sidwell was overpaid at Villa. <laughs> <laughs> I can promise you that. Um yeah. Anyway, talking about Villa, uh, overnight, I tell you what, I, I had to text my mate Macca and apologise for ever doubting him. I watched my first game in HD. Oh, that's great, isn't it? On my full HD new TV, my new 51-inch downstairs. I mean, I mean, I, I didn't I, care that the game wasn't very good. It was just brilliant. I just kept going, look at that. Look, so it was a close-up. Look how clear that is. I can't go back to watching SD. No, I can't uh, watch... I can't watch it sit down to sports anymore because the quality of so the picture fuzzy. is terrible by comparison. Yeah. So, yeah, so uh, Villa took care of Blackburn. Uh, this is in the official Barclays Premier League Asian Trophy, an annual tournament, invitational tournament. This year it's uh, Villa, Blackburn, Chelsea and local side Kitchi at the Hong Kong Sports Club. Uh, it, was, it's a double head, it was a double header. Uh, filled up nicely. It was ridiculously hot when Villa and Blackburn were playing. The players' shirts were absolutely ringing wet. Um, Brett Emerton, good to see, uh, played most of the game. For, I think he played the full game uh, for Blackburn. Vinigrella came on as a late substitute. I uh, saw that. I never saw the match itself. I watched the, the Chelsea yeah. match afterwards. But uh, uh, Yeah, good to see him back again. Let's see if he can stay fit. And a couple of young, game couple of young Aussies in the Villa Touring squad, uh, Chris Hurd and Shane Lowry. So they're both in the uh, squad. They didn't get on last night, but um, there's, uh, there's no, Villa will play Chelsea in the final on Saturday. I don't think it's on live. I think they are showing it on delay on Sunday morning. There was an Aussie in the Kitchy squad as well. Yes, there was. Dean Evans, yeah. former he came on, uh, Perth Glory. Yep. Yeah. 36 minutes left to play. All right, well. One and only time we heard from him. Quick, uh, let's do a quick tour of some of the UK newspaper gossip. Uh, always fun this time of year to see the speculation. Uh, Aguero, as we've talked about, is expected to, uh, to finalise his move to Man City today. £38 million pounds is the, uh, the rumoured transfer fee. Man United, set to make a renewed bid to sign into Milan playmaker Wesley Snyder. Sami Nasri um, has told the Gunners, apparently... 
that he will stay for this season. Uh, that would mean him running out his contract, which means that he could then leave. And this, this is the, the conundrum for Arsenal, is do they cash in and get some money back and lose a very valuable player if Fabregas is going to leave? Or do they get what they want, which is him to stay, but him to say, well, I'm not signing a new contract and I'll leave for nothing in the summer. It's a bit late in the uh, transfer window to be starting making decisions exactly. like that. Though. And also, let's not forget, he, he can then begin negotiations with his next club in January. Yep. Um, which, again, I always think massively unsettles people. Mm. You know, oh, when, when your yeah. head is in who you're going to be playing for yep. who, and your agent is like, right, we can go here, we can go there, and you're still trying to play for Arsenal, yep. I always think that's a really dangerous situation to, to be in. Um, and which is why I often think you find that club, they end up leaving in the January mm. uh, for a much reduced transfer fee yep. because the club sees that they're unsettled and they're like, you know what? We'll just take five million and yep. get rid. Yeah. Yep. Uh, Spurs, uh, interesting one. Um, you know, Sp- <laughs> Harry Redknapp always wants to do his uh, dealing in public. Um, <laughs> as, as said for ages, he's not happy with his forward line, but um, hasn't done anything to change it yet. So he's still got his uh, his sort of strikers there: Defoe, Crouch, Pavlichenko. Um, Newcastle are rumoured to be interested in Jermaine Defoe um, if uh, if Harry Redknapp wants to get rid. Um, but Spurs are hoping to complete a deal for Barcelona midfielder Ibrahim Afolay. Now this is a player that I um, I really like when I've seen him come on. Uh, yeah, signed, I've actually seen him play, to be honest. Yeah, he signed from uh, it says from PSV, but I thought he'd signed from Ajax. Um, I thought he was an Ajax boy, but. Um, but yeah, so one of the players that Spurs are interested in is, uh, is Spanish international Fernando Lorente from Bilbao uh, as they're looking at strengthening their, uh, their forward options. Uh, Giovanni De Santos, they've agreed to let go to Sevilla. Um, Birmingham are in all sorts of trouble with Carson Young, their owner. I'll try, try not to laugh. Uh, <laughs> after his owner's assets were frozen in the Far East pending his money laundering court case. There we go. Um... Shane Long, uh, Reading striker, obviously a part of the Reading team that made it to the playoff finals but couldn't quite get up at the expense of Swansea, uh, is attracting attention from both West Ham manager, uh, but also Liverpool are interested in. You'd probably say that he'd be more likely to go to Liverpool, although he's hardly likely to get a game, you would have thought, up there. Um, what else? Man United are planning a triple Brazilian swoop with signings of Flamengo forward. Adrian, Sao Paulo midfielder Lucas and Santos playmaker Ganzo. I think that's unlikely because both Ferguson and uh, Gill have both said that they're only going to be making one more signing at most. I think that was from the Sun. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Arsenal thought to be interested in Chelsea defender Alex. Um, other central defenders that are, that are looking pretty much sought after is, uh, is Samba, Chris Samba from uh, Blackburn. Man Mountain. Chris Samba, both Spurs and Arsenal are, are rumoured to be interested in him. Uh, Charles and Zobia uh, finally looks set to join Villa for £9.5 million. Um, have agreed the fee and now he's, uh, I believe, having a medical today at Villa Park and looking to sign. Still on holiday, which was quite weird. And Zobia was? Yeah. 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 Okay. One thing that we haven't talked about. God, I forgot. Super Mario. Let's, if you haven't seen Mario Balotelli's latest effort, if you thought Bibgate was, was the height of his madness, uh, 
in their uh, game against LA Galaxy. Now, there's a little bit of debate from this. We'll, we'll, we'll talk about that. But he appears to be clean through on goal and then tries a ridiculously showboating round-the-world step-over and back heel. Edin Dzeko throws his hands up in the air to, to say, what the hell are you doing? Roberto Mancini does his nut and immediately substitutes him after half an hour, replaces him with James Milner. Predictably, Balotelli gives Mancini a volley before storming off down to the end of the bench. Now, you've got to have a, have a look on YouTube. Now, Ken, I think what Balotelli was saying to Mancini, because he kept putting his hands to his mouth like a, making a whistle sound, I think he was saying that he heard a whistle and thought he'd been given offside, and therefore he, that was just, he thought the ball was dead. I think he was just making up bollocks, to be honest. He was trying to be a show-off twat. <laughs> it's like, I mean, I, I said at the time, how do you manage a player like that? You, know, you don't. You build into a Premier League, a Champions League campaign. You've got millions of dollars of players on the bench waiting for a chance, and the one that you start with does something like that. You know, I mean... I, I, Fair play to Mancini for immediately reacting. I also think that Mancini probably prevented him getting a kick in from the LA Galaxy <laughs> players had he stayed on the pitch. But the thing is, I mean, Mancini's worked with him before, hasn't he? Yeah, yeah. So he knew what he, knew was, getting what he was getting into. And on that basis, I don't think there's any excuse for it, you know, uh, from Mancini's point of Is it that it. sort of love affair where the woman always thinks she can change the man but never can, you know? But. I mean, even, you, even Mourinho, you, I think, the ultimate got, man manager. Didn't Mourinho come out and just say that Balotelli's yeah. quite unmanageable? When you've got an unlimited budget, why would you bother with that? Yeah. You know, you could buy anybody in the world. But also, you know, I mean, you think, why make your life who else is going to take him on? You know, he's going to become another player like Tevez. Yeah. That yeah. Man City might well end up lumbered with. Yeah. I, they don't want to play him. But they don't want him to leave on the cheap, and I mean, nobody else is willing to pay that sort of silly money. And they've got an expensive contract to pay out in the meantime. You know, when you've got that squad, is he going to make their 25? You know, yeah. does Mancini trust him enough to make that 25-man squad for the Premier League? Going to be an awful lot of fines, internal fines, yeah. I think. But he always brings the lols, so we like him. <laughs> yeah, so let's end on that note, and uh, we will be back after this break to uh, cast a confused eye towards the World Cup draw. We all have goals, but sometimes we need a little help along the way. The best advice and assistance on your journey can make an enormous difference. Tiger Management and PR represents up-and-coming and established TV and radio presenters, performers and sports people. So if you're wondering how you'll rise to the next level, engage the services of Tiger Management and PR and you'll no longer be alone. Call 1300 784 212 to find out more or visit tigermanagement.com.au. To 442 Insider. Welcome back to this week's 442 Insider. Quick look ahead to the countdown. The road to Rio begins on Saturday. God, it's only a year since the last World Cup. It seems to get longer and longer. It's incredible, isn't it? Yeah, but I'm I'm excited. Looking forward to it. Uh, so Saturday, 3 o'clock Rio time, which I think is 4am our time, uh, will be what I'm sure will be the first of many elongated FIFA presentations uh, with sponsors' logos everywhere uh, to draw out the first stages of qualifying. Now, uh, a quick look at Europe. 
very quickly, which is obviously always probably you say one of the most keenly contested. Uh, there are 53 European nations that will be vying for, for their spots uh, at the uh, World Cup. The six European teams that are in the, the top 10 of FIFA rankings, plus Norway and Greece, will be seeded. They will be drawn first, and then there will be eight groups of six and one group of five for the qualifying campaign. Uh, now let's look at Asia, which is our fate. Uh, obviously, Japan, Australia, Korean Republic, Bahrain and North Korea are already uh, with automatic entry into round three based on uh, previous World Cup qualification. Um, so they can't face each other, Kev. Bahrain as well. Yeah, they, they got through to the qualifier, didn't they? They got knocked out by New Zealand. Oh, right. right. So yeah. that's basically the four and a half spots. Gotcha. Um, so they are, they are all in separate pots, uh, although I think Bahrain might be able to be drawn because there's four pots. So I think Bahrain are the floater. They could pro we could be drawn against Bahrain, but we can't be drawn against Japan, Korea Republic, North Korea. Um, there are qualifiers. The second legs of the qualifiers are going on tonight. So let's have a look at the, the first legs. Uh, Thailand versus Palestine. Some of, the, some of the countries that are in here, like, you just don't realise how big the AFC is. 203 countries are going to be competing in the oh, World Cup qualifiers this year. So Thailand, Palestine, it's, it was 1-0 to Thailand. Uh, Palestine hosting that. Every chance of an upset there. Um, yeah. Lebanon beat Bangladesh 4-0, so they're favourites. China uh, beat Laos 7-2, so they should be through. Turkmenistan, Indonesia uh, was one all, uh, but you'd probably say Indonesia hosting that would be favourites. Um, Kuwait, 3-0 against the Philippines. They should go through. Oman against Myanmar, 2-0 to Oman. Saudi Arabia, 3, Hong Kong, 0. Uh, Iran, 4, Maldives, 0. Syria, 2, Tajikistan, 1. Uh, with Tajikistan to host the, uh, the second leg, that could be an upset there. Uh, Qatar, 3-0, 3, Vietnam, 0. Iraq 2, Yemen 0, uh, Singapore 5, Malaysia 3, Uzbekistan 4, Kyrgyzstan 0, UAE 3, India 0, Jordan 9, Nepal 0. So it looks like we'll be seeing you know, plenty of the, the familiar faces, you know, China, Kuwait, Saudi Arabia, Oman, Iran, Iraq, Qatar, uh, Uzbekistan, UAE and Jordan. Uh, all of which we could be drawn with. Uh, so the way that, the, uh, that it will work out is that on Sunday, our time, four groups of five will be drawn with Australia, one of the seeded groups, uh, and that will mean that there will be eight games in the first stage of qualifying home and away, uh, and then the top two from each of those groups go forward to the second and final stage, which would be round four, uh, which is two groups of four, so a further six games, the top two, from those two groups automatically qualify and the third, two third place teams play off uh, and the winner of that then goes into a playoff. I believe it's still against Oceania. It was last time round. Wow. 14 games, Kev, from now until... It's a surprisingly long road still, isn't it? Massive. You know, uh, we moved out of Oceania. Asia was supposed to be a more direct route, but this is what we wanted. Though, games. But this is what we wanted. Oh, absolutely. You know, we wanted the absolutely. test. We wanted the record. Because yeah. the problem was before was that 
you know, played the Oceania tournament, which was a you know a week, three or four day long tournament. Yeah. Won that, then had no football until we had to play against Uruguay. That's right. Yeah. Uh, you know, whereas and the, the South, South Americans were coming off a long, eighteen twenty game qualifying. And so this was what we wanted. Yep. Uh, it was never meant to be easier. It was meant to be more challenging, and, and that was critical to our development. I think we're seeing that. Do we see ourselves a bit more, you know, savvy in the AFC now over the last sort of, you know, the, the last World Cup qualification? Was the Asian Cup our, our improvement tournament on tournament at the Asian Cup? Was that a sign that we get into grips with what it takes to qualify through Asia? I think we're being a bit more wise about. Uh Hey, what's involved in Asia and we're not being as complacent. You know, any European team virtually that looked at the teams that we're likely to get drawn against. I mean, even worst case scenario, we get drawn against Iran, Iraq, um, a Q8 and Oman or something, uh, which is how we, all, we always seem to get drawn against them somehow or another. Yeah. Any other European team would think that's going to be a walkover. Until they turn up in Tehran with 100,000 people there buying for blood. Yeah, uh, but, you know, the, at the end of the day, the, the rankings that these teams have got are completely unrelated to their actual ability. Yeah. Uh, and they might be in the, the 60s and above, uh, some of them possibly even in the 100s and above. But when you actually get down to in the field of play, the margins are so tight uh, that, you know, it's very easy to trip up and stumble on that road. Uh, and 14 games, it's a long way. That's a lot of games where we have to be on best behaviour. Good for and the Caps records. For very good <laughs> for the Caps records. But it's also, it, you know, Pimverbeek did a lot of things wrong and the World Cup campaign was truly awful as a result. But his qualifying campaign was pretty much perfect. You know, it was a very contained, unadventurous, but got the job done. Uh, and I think, you know, we have to be careful. that, uh... Especially, you know, away from home, it's very easy now in hindsight to forget. But that qualifying, where there were a couple of pivotal moments where that the whole complexion of that could have changed. Yeah. Schwartz's penalty save, giving away the penalty and then saving the penalty in Kunming to yeah. get the nil-nil, nil-nil draw. Yeah. Um, Bresciano's injury time winner. The margins are so fine, yeah, in so eight, fine, you know, and with, like, like I say, 14 games, and it just can take one goal, can change the whole future of uh, our World Cup campaign. So, I, I mean, let, let's talk about that. under Holger, you know, you probably say that the, the safety first, rigid, flexible, you know, the, the, the rigidity of that 4-2-3-1 that, that everyone came to attribute as Pim's style, that seems to have changed. Uh, we seem to be playing a more flexible, a bit more adventurous style. Could that be our undoing? I think it's going to be interesting to see. I mean, it, it really does depend who we are drawn against. If, you know, we did get lucky and it was um, just a really connect collection of uh, minnows like Singapore or whatever. Then, you know, Holger could be much more adventurous uh, in his style. If he continues to be adventurous and going up against Iraq or Iran, yeah, I think we could be undone. Um, it's going to be interesting. We only get one chance at this to see if an adventurous style will work. Uh, yeah. And if it's not, then if I was him, I would be pulling down the shutters and just playing very cautiously. And obviously we did, there's the added sort of complexity or, or dimension that some of these games are not going to be on FIFA dates, so we'll have to do with a, with a locally sourced or a, you know certainly not a first-string side. Um are we, are we better capable of doing that with some of the players that have since come back and are playing in the A-League? I think we're certainly a, a stronger 
the A-League, the Aussie ruse, uh, is probably a, a stronger concept than it was maybe even just two or three years ago. Um, but it's still, it's it's obviously nowhere near our first team by any manner of means. Yeah. Well, that's uh, what we've got to look forward to. I know uh, I was down for the Serbia game in Melbourne, chatting to a few of the the Green and Gold Army boys and some of the soccer the Socceroos fans who were all uh, waiting the draw to plan their uh, obscure away trips. There's a fair few of them that went to Tashkent and uh, to Kunming. So for the uh, for the football tourists uh, amongst us, uh, it will be an interesting draw, and there'll be a few. Uh, a few calls to travel agents made on Monday, I'm sure, planning trips. So uh, let's hope we get a few uh, a few new names out of the hat and we can uh, follow the Socceroos to a, to a few new places along the way and make some new friends. Um, that's all for this week. Thanks for coming in, Kev. Thanks for uh, holding the fort in Trev's absence. You're welcome. And uh, normal service will be resumed with Trev next week. Also, next week sees our, uh, our European preview issue go on sale. We'll have more details of that next week. But uh, we've got... 40 pages uh, spread on every Premier League team, uh, fixtures, ratings, fans' views. Then we also preview Serie A, La Liga and the Bundesliga. And we've got a big interview with Reese Williams. So uh, that's on sale next Wednesday. So by the time you, we're back with you, you will be reading it, I hope. All right, that's it. Have a good weekend, and we will speak to you next week. 442 Insider is a Helms Media Solutions production. Visit helms.com.au to find out more about our services.